0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Engler, uh, one of the co-hosts of this show. I'm here with Dan Austin, our producer, and I'm also here with our guest co-host, Cody Schweikert. And um, before we go any further, uh, you know, we are starting a series on grief and we want to answer questions that you don't feel comfortable asking in church. And, you know, our other co-host, John Amayo, he's given permission to share. You know, he just... um, lost his mother so we're giving him some time off and we're going into this episode and into this series because 2020 has been really really difficult and today we have a guest co-host or a guest uh by the name of mike keys he's been on here before i think it's episode six and um there's no easy way to get this topic started cody but you know as we think about the question today why is grief good you know before we get started how does that question hit you
1: well, let, let me just say that uh, we've, all, we've all been through some, some stuff, especially this year. Like you mentioned, Peter, we got uh, John Amayo um, dealing with grief right now, and I'm thankful to be able to step in for him, but uh, big shoes to fill. So I, I just want to, John, if you're listening, and I know that you are, um, I, we were just talking before we started to record that you're going to be like Adrian Peterson when he tore his ACL. And he came back the next season, and people weren't sure what's his status, what's his status. And then he won the MVP. And you're you're walking through some fire right now, but we're confident that you're going to come back uh, just a, a strong man. And uh, the podcast world is probably not ready for you, but it's going to happen. So until then, I will be here, and I will do my best. Um, but as as far as grief in my life, uh, it's, it's been a heck of a year. I am... Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll we'll get into um, the nitty-gritty of it, but this has definitely been the hardest year of my life um, with the COVID stuff and the personal stuff, and uh, yeah, it's something I've unfortunately become familiar with this year.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad to have Mike back on. You know, all three of us are close friends. You know, Mike, uh, you know, works in the marketplace in Rochester and, um, you know, has served at Browncroft Community Church, and he serves on the board for 441 Ministries, And, uh, you know, Mike's got quite a story about grief. So without further ado, in our first episode of this series, Mike, good to see you. Hey, Pete. Thanks for having me. You know, know, let's start here. I'm just going to give this question to both of you, but... If you were to give a basic definition for grief as a Buffalo Bills fan, <laughs> let's start there. Oh. You know, yeah. what, what does that look like?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm a quite a bit older than Cody, so I got <laughs> I, I got to live through um, Super Bowls one, two, three, and four that they lost consecutively. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me, you know, Buffalo Bills and grief is really about those four Super Bowls first and foremost, you know, that, you know, you go into those thinking, all right, we'll win this one. Well, we didn't we'll win this one. And four oh and four in four Super Bowls was, you know, reason for grief. So yeah, and now, you know, the twenty five years of not being in the, you know, the hunt, mm-hmm. so to speak. And yeah, and, and here we are. Well,
1: I Mike, I would humbly add that uh we, we well, we did lose all four of those Super Bowls and I was only a year old when, you know, that was concluding, but we are the only team to win four AFC championship games in a row. And I like to end the story there. You know, uh, but, you know, my experience with the Buffalo Bills, and this is just relevant because the Bills just clinched the AFC East division for the first time in a quarter century. And uh, as I'm sure you've heard, if you've been uh, awake at all in the last uh, week, and um, I just came on the scene when Tom Brady was getting started. And so by the time I could watch and understand football and root for the Bills, Tom Brady was just beginning his two decade long you know, terror in Buffalo, in in our poor city. And so I never knew the Bills to be a good, successful franchise, lived through the whole playoff drought. And so at this point, I mean, when this episode drops, we might have been eliminated from the wild card round of the playoffs already. I hope not. But at this point, Buffalo is, in the NFL power rankings, number two behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So my point with the grief... Is painful, but if you stay faithful to your team, you don't jump on another bandwagon. The reward is all the sweeter.
0: So, so the question today is, why is grief good? And <laughs> uh, after starting there, let, let's start this. Let's start here, friends. Um, what's your basic definition of grief? And the reason why we're asking this question, I think this this is a question we're going to come back to in this series. Is when I first heard and got pitched this series, John was the one that really my first thought immediately went to losing a loved one and then you know i began to listen to people i think about 2020 you know grief hits us in different ways so i think it's important for our listeners even just to hear this series and kind of ask for themselves what's my definition of grief so mike let's start with you and then cody i'd love to hear just kind of your definitions about grief
2: yeah I, i i think that um Grief is really associated with significant loss that leads to a, you know, a, a deep emotional pain. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, it's it's different than just disappointment, right? I mean, there are lots of things that we can be disappointed about. You know, the, you know, the, Bill's not going to the playoffs, for example, or you know, your team not winning a game, or you know, maybe you know some other kind of you know personal setback, you know, a job opportunity that you didn't get or an interview that didn't go well. Um, but grief is, you know, it's a, it's a much deeper emotional state that, that happens when there's a significant kind of loss. And, and you know, whether, again, it's a, a, a person, a relationship, a, you know, an expectation that, you know, you just was really, really important to you that just didn't happen. And that, that loss of a relationship or, again, of a person or, uh, opportunities. I think there's a significance to it that that goes that kind of defines grief. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, that is well said, Mike, because the distinction is we all experience disappointments to varying degrees, you know, every day really. It could be tiny things, it could be bigger stuff, career stuff, but grief is uh i think associated with loss like you say and it's more than disappointment it's even more than sadness it feels like the word sad isn't a strong enough word so other words that come to mind are, for me are you know excruciating uh, anguish sorrow and th- those three words to me are, are kind of reach toward what it feels like to to live through loss um And usually, often, I think that's relational loss. could be other stuff, but losing a loved one in in some way. That's what I think of.
0: I don't don't mean to be funny, but it sounds kind of like what both of you are saying. There's times when you can immediately spot grief, but most of the time, would you say, it's as doctors would say, it's a silent killer, so to speak. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And how we process it and everything's so many things happening emotion wise under the surface when we lose some, someone or experience loss like that, that it, it can be silent even to ourselves. You know, we may not even understand how intensely we may be feeling that.
0: Mm. So our question today is, why is grief good? And, um, this kind of leads us right to, you know, just how have you experienced grief in your life? And, uh, You know, Mike, why don't you share a little bit of your story about how you've walked through it. Um, A lot of the stuff's in the past, distant past, but as you're probably going to share, it still affects you to today.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I I would say um, up until uh, 1995, I was kind of this... Innocent young man who's you know life had its bumps and grinds and disappointments, but I I never experienced real grief until then. Um, and it was in that year my my older brother, fifteen months older than I am, um, he was uh, thirty three at the time, was in a four wheeler accident and uh, lost his life in that four wheeler accident. And so it came as a very big shock. He was married. Had three young children under the age of five, um, very similar to myself. We were both best men in each other's wedding. We were, you know, best friends growing up. You know, we fought like you know cats and dogs, but you know, we shared a room all through, you know, our entire life. And so, you know, it's just he was my big brother. He was, you know, my protector, my friend. And for the first time in my life, I experienced a kind of loss that I just could never imagine. I, I just never you know, thought, you know, it it, it was more than just a wake-up call for me. It was almost a transition into what I thought was this whole new world of adulthood. I I started to see the world in a whole new different light. I started to see grief in a whole new different light because I know people that had experienced that before that, but I always thought, well, they'll get over it. They'll get over it. And um, for the first time in my life, I was thinking to myself, am I going to get over this? You know, it was such a shock and it was so painful and so difficult. And I remember just, you know, daily, you know, getting in the shower and I would cry in the shower for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes because that was the only private place that I had. And um, I thought, you know, this will go away. This will go away. And, you know. It took almost a year you know I, th- I thought it would go away in a couple weeks and you know and then a couple months and then you know it was almost a full year before you know i'll say that you know it didn't go it doesn't go away but it it changes right where it re- really doesn't you know sit with you hour after hour day after day anymore it does diminish over time but you know that took almost a year
0: mm. Why don't, you, why don't you continue because... Sure.
2: Unfortunately, uh, that's not the end of the story. That's not yeah. the end. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, five years later, um, my mother at the age of 62, who um, had suffered from complications of diabetes, uh, had, had heart issues and blood pressure issues, and then she died five years later at a very young age as well. And then um, back in, uh, gosh, my brother was 39, so I would have been forty. Four, which would have been 13 years ago my brother uh, Chris was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer um, he did go on to live four years died at the age of 43 again married three children um, under the age of 12 and um, so you know again these these things continued to happen I would say I was better prepared for each one of those situations they they, they didn't come as much of a, a shock but you know these are you know, my mother, very close to my mom growing up. I was very close to my younger brother. He was five years younger than I was. Um, you know, and by then we were, you know, adults and spent a lot of time together. So um, just this, this series of grief that continued. Um, but, you know, I, I think I was better prepared, um, I, th- I think both emotionally and, and otherwise. But, you know, it, it just it still, you know, knocks the wind out of you.
0: You know, one thing I I just want to kind of ask you and then, you know, I kind of want to let Cody kind of share some some of this. this is a little different podcast. I mean, we're starting a different series and I think this is good. But, you know, you've told me you followed God, you know, you followed Jesus your whole life. But there's there's been moments kind of between those years that, you know, you've even said to me, you know, I was a little bit more on versus I was a little bit more off. So, you know, how how did following Jesus impact those three losses? You know, what led, kind of where? Yeah. So, um, as,
2: as you said, you know, I, I, I came to Christ, you know, I would say as an adult— Um, at age 14 and, and that was a big part of my life, went off to college, kind of drifted away. And then when my brother died, um, that was the, the key event that really brought me back and, and, you know, shook me and said, Hey, you know, you, you got to get back to your faith. You've got to, you know, pay attention to this. This is, this is all that's going to get you through this. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, my wife was tremendous at that time, um, and, you know, continues to be a great support in moments of grief, um. But my relationship with Christ at that time, which, you know, thankfully I had built the foundation earlier in my life. So I I knew exactly where to go because, you know, in those moments you do feel... Um, very alone. Even though you have family and people that are caring for you and you're, you're coming together as people, um, you still feel very alone. And that's one of the strangest parts about grief. You can still have great friendships and a great marriage and wonderful siblings, and but we're all hurting and we're all in this deep pain. And, and it's it's your relationship with Christ that you can grab onto is, is kind of this, you know, um, Life preserver in many respects, and and you you just go there because you you know you had realized that you know, only God's going to carry me um, through this um, day in day out, hour after hour, and get me to the other side of it.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mike, I, I resonate especially with what you said about the the loneliness of it, and um, e- even with really healthy relationships around you, that it can so easily feel like you are alone. In my experience with grief this past year, is you know, about a year ago, my uh, my marriage actually just began to collapse. Really unexpectedly, shockingly, um, th- things came to light that I just had never anticipated. And um, a year later, um, I fought fought tooth and nail. But a-, a year later, I'm going through the divorce process. You know, and it's not something I ever dreamed I would I would go through. I mean, I took marriage vows so seriously and never wanted to walk through this. But here I am walking through this and the, the pain of that um, sustained is what has been so challenging for me because you stub your toe and if you stub your toe, I mean, we all know how badly that hurts, right? And it's, it's hard to, to not uh, drop some, some four-letter words, right? Because that pain is so intense and immediate and sharp. Uh, but what happens after you stub your toe? It hurts for like one Mississippi, two Mississippi and then it's it's mostly gone, right? It it dissipates pretty quickly. But with something like a divorce and a a divorce is, I mean, we're not built for divorce. That's not the part of the plan. We're not supposed to get divorced, right? So there's this uh, unnatural kind of consequence of it that feels like the death of a loved one. I mean, in my view, a marriage is the most intimate relationship you can have with another human being, um, even closer than parents and siblings and What have you? So losing that is really feels like a a death and in a mourning, and the grief comes and it stays, and that's where the the analogy with the stubbing your toe it doesn't it doesn't go away after two Mississippi. I mean, it's here. I am a year later, uh, you know, when all this has begun, a a year later, and I'm still. I I wish I could say I'm over it and I'm I moved on and I'm a perfectly you know well adjusted adult, you know, but. The pain sticks around for a while, and in light of eternity, it won't. It won't. It'll feel like you know a snap of the finger. But right now, the the sustained pain of grief is um, what stands out to me.
0: What I find interesting about listening to both of you, Mike, I I think about your brother with cancer. Um, You know, Cody, I think about the process of divorce. Um, I'm wondering about the similarities. Of walking through something um, that you kind of know is going to end badly, you know. It, there's a number of different people that experience cancer. Uh, you know, you, you hope against all hope, and there's a little bit of ambiguity. And then someone passes, and you know, with a divorce, you know, there there might be. I mean, pushback. There's this kind of similarity of I'm I'm kind of walking through this until it's final. I mean, what's that like? Do you guys see similarities in both of those? or
1: Like with the finality of it? Yeah. Like it's like, permanent.
0: Like I, from what I see from someone in the background is you kind of know this is going to happen, you know. And with cancer, you know, sometimes a lot of times people survive depending on the cancer. But you kind of know that that reality, like the volumes turned up. And with a divorce, it's even turned up louder that – I'm walking—I mean, you're walking through this year. You know, you walk through a couple of years with your brother. You're like, this is on the table. I mean, what's it like before knowing that, knowing that that's probably the outcome, and then afterwards knowing that that happened?
2: Yeah, I, I would tell you that it was very interesting. My, my brother did live four years. He, his diagnosis, they told him he would live six months. And so, the, so there's this kind of initial shock and there's a grief that occurs right then because you know that his life is going to come to end. Pancreatic cancer, um, it, it, there's two types, and he had the non-treatable kind other than, you know, you can give him some chemotherapy to extend his life. And so he'd lived four years, and they, you know, they called him the miracle guy because very few people live that long with pancreatic cancer. And um, so the, there was a the first stage of grief, and then, you know, the six-month mark came by, and his, you know, tumor markers were good and everything was good and so for the next you know roughly three years we we kind of almost ignored the fact that he had cancer other than his treatments every week that you know made him sick and he had to deal with with that um weekly illness um and then, you know, the the real, you know, downturn came at the, in the last, I'll say, 90 days. And, and a new grieving process, new recognition that, you know, this was the end stage and that he probably wasn't going to be with us much longer. And then there's the post, you know, he, he dies and, and, you know, he, he did. And and there was the grief that occurs after, you know, because he's not there. I, you know, I, I, but there was a sweetness to it too. And it was a rare instance where, you know, I had this time that was given to us, this window that I didn't think was going to be there. And. You know, he and I got to spend a lot of time together during that four-year period um, that I wouldn't have gotten had I not known, Mm -hmm. had I known, you know, if I hadn't known that he was dying, right? So there was kind of this blessing in disguise that, you know, we knew he was dying. We knew that, you know, we only had a certain amount of time, and and I was able to have that time and and use that time to just, you know, come close to him and, and, you know, just be that— be there with him and, and experience lots of really neat conversations that probably would have never taken place, you know, had he died suddenly, you know, like my older brother had done. So it was, you know, there was a, there was kind of this mixed blessing in, in mm. this, in this situation. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the, the grief is still there. There's still that, you know, that loneliness that comes after the, the you know, the pick up the phone ready to make that phone call. And he's not there at the other end. And I had gotten used to that, calling him two, three, four times a week if I wasn't going to see him that week. And, um, you know, that's the hard part. You really, like, you just miss that connection. You miss that opportunity to be with him in, in that way and just have a meaningful conversation or even just joking and having fun. But, um, you know, and thankfully he was a Bills fan, so that was that was helpful <laughs> as well. Yeah,
1: I, I don't know that... I don't know that you experience grief until the thing happens. As much as it's, it's more like fear. I think before. So this past year, again, it was a long process. The decision to get the divorce was uh, um, it, it didn't happen overnight, right? I, I, you know, like I said, I fought and fought, and uh, the fear that whole time was like, "What if this doesn't work?" I've been praying. You know, I'm fasting. I'm trying to do all the things in my power to um, avoid this disaster, um, this this tragedy, which is what it felt like for me. And all of that was fear, um, but when you know when I realize that this this is not only going to happen, but it's happened and it's it's done, that's when the grief comes in. And I don't know what's worse, honestly, the fear of what am I going to do if this happens? I can't survive this, you know. And then once it comes, obviously it hurts really, really, really badly. But then you realize I'm surviving this, and there's hope ahead and uh, no i'm not going to pretend i'm happy right now or things are going well but there's hope ahead and this thing's not going to kill me
0: so yeah you know it it kind of sounds like you know listening to both of you respond there's there's certain moments it's not like the volume of grief is at 8 8 out of 10 all the time sometimes it's a 2 sometimes it's a 3 and even when there's finality there might be it turned up to a 10 but then for the rest of your life, there's that hum. Is that how you'd explain it or is there other ways?
2: No, I, I think that's a good analogy. I, I think it does work much like that. You know, you can, you know, at the, at the beginning, the intensity, you know, kind of like, you know, stubbing your toe is very, very high and, and you get very little relief from day to day. But, but over time, you do get more and more relief. You do get, you know whole days where you don't think about it and it doesn't affect you and, and, you know, you might say a prayer at the end of the night and, and there are these sweet, what I call, memories, right, of, of, of the good days, whether it was a, a photo or, you know, a song that came on, you know, um, just something that re- maybe reminds you of that individual and, and, and the good times that you, you might have had with that individual or, or that somehow that, you know, God is speaking through some Picture, event, or song um, to kind of say, "Hey, it's going to be okay," and this this person's, you know, where they're at, and you're where you're at, and and you're going to end up okay. And um, you you do get those sweet reminders um, from time to time.
1: Yeah, and I I was as I was walking through the midst of the storm, really, in the peak of the pain, so to speak. I had to student teach, right? So I had (laughs) to like finish my master's degree and. I in the moment I'm like man I just can't do this I've got this whole disaster in my personal life going on and now I'm expected to like advance my you know professional pursue my professional goals and I just can't do this but looking back that was a total mercy from God because it got me out of the house it got me uh distracted you know not that we should just like forget or try to ignore stuff what's going on in our life but we just, we can't wrestle with real heavy sorrow. You can't feel it fully twenty four seven. It'll it'll crush you. And so the Lord put many things in my life, uh, friends, and you know Bill's victories, as shallow as they may be, um, <laughs> things to give me just a little bit of like rest from walking through the yeah the grief. So
0: you know I, I, we have a question about you know what do people get wrong about grief, but I, I kind of want to back up because what what I'm hearing from both of you is, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure our listeners realize is grief comes in all forms. So Mike, you know, on paper, I can see you lost three loved ones in about a 10 year process. Cody, I can look at the end of your marriage. But I I think for all of us, and what's kind of hitting me is, you know, there's a thousand different ways that we grieve, and we don't know it. You know, so I'm thinking about this, you know, I have a daughter due, you know, at the end of January. I'm very excited about that. But my wife will remind me, like, it's not just us and Haley. Um, Mike, you've sent three kids to college. And from what I've heard, you know, you drop the bags off. And, you know, some people, you know, they probably say we celebrate, we're putting a hot tub. But for the majority of parents, I know it's hard. And Cody, you know, you graduated from college, you made a job change. I guess my question to all of you, whether the situation is good or bad, how do you know you're grieving something? Like, how do you identify it? Because I think in 2020, you could even say it's the year of grief, but no one knew what to call it. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... (laughs)
2: I'd like to say it's you know it's as simple as that you know it's it's the stuff that we dwell on, but we dwell on a lot of stupid stuff too. So, <laughs> um, but you know the, the things that capture our hearts, you know, um, that the things where where you you just feel this kind of. Um, Emptiness. You feel this this kind of. It's a, such a strangely different kind of pain than you than you experience when you, you know, the fear and anxiety of drop. You know, the first time you put your kid in the car by themselves, or the first time you drop them off at college. That's a. There's a there's a sense of loss, but there's also the sense of joy that they're they're growing up. They're they're mm-hmm. experiencing the, the the next level. But when you experience a, a a true loss that that just captures your heart, it it just you know it's it's inside you that this this thing is just it's just so saddening and it and it and it's um it's it's like no other thing that you can experience in life and 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 um you know it's it's a hard thing to describe if you haven't experienced it at its deepest level um you know and i i don't wish it on anybody mm-hmm. um and i and i think that you know the sensitivity that that i've you know, arrived at because of it. You know, is is probably the you know the, the other side. I know that's a question we're coming to, but you know, I think it's important to this part of the question, and that is, you know, how do you know that this is grief? And and you think that, you know, it, you just know that there's this this loss that you just you just feel like gosh this shouldn't have happened right mm. It just seems so unfair there's there's, it, there's a there's almost this deep unfairness feeling to it right this this shouldn't have happened this just isn't right. it's unnatural it's not but you know that's unfortunately it, it is part of life right It is a norm um, that we all have to get used to because it's you know it's gonna if it doesn't happen to you yet it's gonna sooner or later and it's gonna happen to you you know more than once and that's you know that's just the truth
1: the only thing i would add to that is that uh it will you know something will happen suffering will will come in your life and i think life like we said is full of disappointments every day everyone knows what we're talking about and in another sense there there are monumental things that will happen that are just in, in another stratosphere of of grief and uh this podcast may feel like uh Maybe it's like, hey, I'm not, I don't feel – I actually had a pretty good year privately, you know, so I don't, I don't need to think about grief right now. And if that's the case for you, I'm so happy for you, and, you know, but there will come a day, unfortunately, where you, you seek out stuff like this, um, m- m- content like this to uh, shed light. And I, I don't know. I just have found myself this past year looking for um, people that understand what, what, it's feel, what it feels like to walk through this stuff, and that's been a huge comfort when I find those people. So,
0: yeah. And so I think the hard thing about it is like, and again, I I just want to kind of go back to pictures. The grief that you both are talking about is like a huge boulder and putting, or I wouldn't say a boulder, but a huge rock that you just put in your pocket. Like that rock might change. But, you know, I'm even thinking about most people what they experience is they've got 20 pebbles in their pocket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, one or two pebbles you can handle. You know, so, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, the the listener out there that works for five years and so desires to get promoted, you know, in their job, and it doesn't happen, and they've got to make a decision. Am I going to stay in my role or go somewhere else? I'm thinking about... You know, when John and I were talking about this, you know, even in high school, you know, there's spots in my high school, probably even more so in college. It's like, oh, yeah, the back of the library. That's where I asked that girl out. And (laughs) she said no. Like, and, you know, I think one of the problems is like 2020. And as we go into 2021, like when you stop and see that. So. I guess I I, I want to push you a little bit more. It it's not even what you're grieving. Maybe even identity. Like I know for me, if I'm grieving, I'm either watching too much TV. Um, I'm like pushing at work way more than I probably should. Um, I'm trying to pre- like even as I thought about 2020, there was a moment where my wife said, like I was on the phone. I think I was on the phone with John Amayo. I'm like you know, it doesn't seem bad. Like I'm working 40 hours a week and my wife's like 60, 70, like church is shut down. And I didn't even know it. And I was just like, you're tired and you're exhausted. And you're just kind of going. So I don't know, like in, in like everyday life, Mm -hmm. you would say these are signals that I'm grieving. Like what might those be? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a very difficult question to answer because I, I think
2: for me the, the answers are different based on my age right I mean yeah. these things happened over a long period of time. I would I would tell you today um, what, what I know um, I experience is a, a, a fair degree of self-care right so I, I'm pretty focused on you know taking care of myself in grieving moments right so you know I, I exercised a lot I dieted I, I, I work on self-improvement I read books so, so there's a lot of self-care going on as a 50-plus-year-old that uh, certainly wasn't going on in my early 30s when my brother died. You know, I I think there was much more sadness, there was much more distraction, there was much more uh, workaholism, right? I mean, I easily had a job that I could pour myself into 70 hours a week, and um, certainly that, that was the methodology I used in my younger days was to just try to ignore it as best I could. Um, you know, I was thankful. My wife was very good at pulling me out of that. My sisters, um, you know, back then, you know, they were going through the same grief process, and they said, "Hey, let's let's meet for lunch once a week. Let's talk about it. Let's share stories." Mm. And um, that. That exercise once a week, we did that for an entire year. They they worked about 10 minutes for me, so I was able to do that every week. We were gathered for lunch and just, you know, share stories and laugh and, and, and enjoy the stories from our childhood, you know, with our brother. And, um, you know, but we cried a lot too, you know, and it, it was just a— you know, it was a very helpful therapy. That you know, you look back on it, you think, oh, you know, that's kind of the ideal thing to do. But you know, we just kind of happened into it because we were we were in such um, shock that you mm-hmm. know we just thought we need to come together. You know, like a bunch of little kids when they're scared, right? So we would just do that once a week, and that that really helped a lot. And it, I think that pulled me out of that. You know, that go to work and work like crazy. But today, you know, as a, as an older adult. You know, 2020 has been a been a had its own share of difficulties, and you know the self care has been a big part of it. I've, I've focused primarily on you know the very close personal relationships with my wife and and our close personal friends, and um, and then you know just a few people that matter, our kids, um, and then you know my own self well being. Right? You, you've been
1: working out. I, I mean, have. I don't know if are we watch. I don't know if you guys are watching this, but uh, I yeah we we've been working out too. I think, Mr. Keys. So.
2: These, these guys both work out with me, so yeah, <laughs> and they're almost catching up. They're, well, getting, they're getting there someday.
0: Yeah, you, you know, we don't want to record me doing a pull up, but uh, <laughs> anyways, well, what about you? Like, what signals to you that there's something? And Mike, what I like what you said was it. It wasn't just you were doing something. It was. It sounds like if my levels are down in my everyday life of, you know, working out, eating and even just reading like that's what it's not like when these levels are off i have got to check that out but cody what about you well i would
1: say i I would take your question in a tiny bit different of direction when i think about the the rock in the pocket versus the bunch of pebbles i've been thinking about um just how heavily i've been leaning on the people in my life so folks in my you know my bible study my small circle and um Mike Keyes, you know, who's been a incredible friend to me and his wife during this season. I've been leaning so heavily on people because I've got this catastrophe and it is a catastrophic thing that um, it, it's, it's a catastrophe. That's what it feels like, at least. And um, I've I've kind of maybe at times forgotten that, hey, other people, maybe they're not getting through divorce or maybe their loved ones aren't dying, but, uh, they're living in this life too. And they're walking through the world and it's full of disappointment and pain and grief. And, um, I think pain is relative. And I've been maybe guilty of, uh, having this attitude of like, well, you don't know what I've been through. You know, if you should be thankful for the life you have. And so I've noticed that in me and it's not a fully formed thought, but that's something I've been aware of. And, um, realizing that, you know, before, when I was happily married, quote unquote, life was still hard, man. It was. It felt like a. It felt like a trudge sometimes. And um, whether you're going through a catastrophe or you're having a pretty good season in life, we're still living in a fallen world, and
0: it's helpful for
1: me to remember that. I think.
0: You know, I want to push back on that because I kind of mm-hmm. disagree with you. Because okay. and, and I think this is where the and and maybe this kind of gets into what we get wrong about grief. Because what annoys me as a pastor, you know, is. I'll talk to someone, and and this happens inside the church and outside the church. You know, they'll tell me their story, which is like a country song. Like, my dog died, my wife let me left me, and you know, my job stinks. And they're like, but you know what, Johnny over here has it worse. And and like, why, I do, he- why does that get under your skin, Peter? Well, because this is why it gets it. To- and I wouldn't say I say that caringly, right, right, because it's so dismissive of what you're going through, and and that if you if you can't enter in to what you're really going through, and that's why this word grieve is probably so misused, because if you can't say this is tough, mm-hmm. like if the first words out of your mouth are, you know what, there's people that don't have something to eat, yeah, and and here's the deal. Let's play the p- comparison game. You can talk to anybody, and they can find someone yeah. that's suffering. And if you don't like identify that, and you know, I guess where I agree with you is there are, you know, I'll channel my keys here. There's times when I'm grieving over something, also known as venting <laughs> over something, and Mike's like, "You just gotta shut up," like, <laughs> and he says that in the most loving Greek New Testament way he can, like. We gotta talk about something else. Like this is, but for a lot of people, like they don't sit down. Long, I don't know. Push back on me. So
1: your problems aren't aren't significant, but other people's are, Peter. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, but that I actually think that's what gets me in trouble. Yeah. Is is like you're talking about everybody else's problems, and if you don't, and you need both. Like, let's just be honest. Well, it's the
1: attitude of if if you a friend comes up to you and say, "Hey, I'm I'm grieving. You know, I've just lost someone I love dearly." what what will they say their reaction is to say oh there there's lots of fish in the sea or they're in a better place now right so and they mean well but their response reveals something say you should not be grieving grieving is all, only and always bad and i think if we were to transition into what do we get wrong about grief it's this idea the verb grieving you you should not do that you shouldn't be doing that you gotta do whatever mental gymnastics you need to do. Think yourself, and I've talked to John Amayo, you know, several times about this. Our, our propensity to try to think ourselves out of pain and discomfort when we feel it, and you can do that mentally, or you can you can drink a bottle of whiskey, or you can uh, eat the cupboard, or um, you know, go down the YouTube rabbit hole, or <laughs> y- you could even cheaply and i say this carefully but you can cheaply start tossing around the romans 828 cliches okay and i'm i'm very cautious to say that romans 828 is a cliche because it's not it is a beautiful truth and it's one that suffering people need but there's a way to throw it around cheaply in a way that i don't think jesus would which is to say that you know there's a whole book of lamentations there's the passage where jesus wept um, and there is, a, we do have an ultimate hope and thank God we do, but there are moments when hurting people, just it's okay for them to hurt and to grieve for a, a limited period of time, but a period of time. And I, I don't know, I, I think, what what do we, what do we, I want to hear from you guys. This is the, I think the most interesting question here is what do we get wrong about grief? Yeah
2: well i i think there's a number of things that we get wrong about grief but um you know the, i would say you know for me the the first thing that that i learned is that you know the world goes on right to mm. to cody's point the you know you're 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 in a grieving moment and you know everybody's lo- loves you during the funeral they might even love you up to a month later right um but 2 months later the, the friends start to fall off the calls fall off 3 months later They've pretty much forgotten, and they they're assuming you know get over it and move on. We're all back to mm-hmm. business as usual. Mm-hmm. And um, if the if the if it's a significant loss, you, you don't get over it in three months. It like I said the first time for me, it took almost a year. And that was the part that was the the part that I thought people get this wrong. They don't know how much this hurts. They have no idea what I've lost. They have no idea what I'm experiencing, and they're treating me like everything's business as usual. And so that was kind of the first wake up. It, 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 the message to myself was, you need to pay attention to other people's grief, right? You need to pay attention, you know, because I would say, well, say, oh, your cat died. Oh, that's too bad. You know, get over it. It's, it's a cat, right? Now, if you love your cat like a child, and people do, um, you know, that doesn't, they don't get over it in a day, and a week, and a month. It, it takes months, just like, you know, me losing my brother. That cat might have been as important or more important than, than my brother was to me. Um, and I think that's the first thing that we have to realize is that there's a whole lot of people out there that are grieving different things, right? You know, the, the, the breakup of an important relationship, the breakup, the loss of a loved one, the loss of an animal, the loss of, you know, a church community, right? I mean, there's lots of different losses that people experience that are very significant and they don't get over them quickly. We're we're not wired to get over them quickly because if if we got over them quickly, then they didn't mean much. Mm. And if they didn't mean much, what's that say about us, right? I mean, if we're really in the game, to your point, which is, you know, your loss shouldn't be a comparison. Your loss is your loss and you should be able to experience it and embrace it and 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 have it be as meaningful as the relationship or whatever it is that you, that you lost, and it, and it may last a, a significant amount of time. So that's the first thing I would say that I learned is this: this compassion for others, and that that people's loss is real, and it, and it lasts a lot longer than most people think. Um, the, the second big thing that I would say that that, that people get wrong is that you know God disappears in those moments he does exactly the opposite mm-hmm. you know he shows up and he's he's right there and and if you'll only submit yourself right to to that you know relationship and you will only just you know say to cry out to god that you know i need your help i need your healing i need i need the kind of peace comfort and joy i want to refine my joy i don't need to find it every day all day tomorrow but i over time lord i need this pain to dissipate mm-hmm. and i want to i want to find joy again and, the, and it can be steps it can be little pieces of joy along the way but if you do that if you're willing to cry out if you're willing to submit if you're willing to humble yourself and say i i need you watch you in this moment um, some beautiful things will happen, and God will do things, some amazing things that you just can't imagine. You know, I i tell different stories about different, just dreams I had about my brother after he died, and, and, and they were gifts, just mm-hmm. wonderful gifts of, of you know, memories and time that we had spent as younger people. And, and they were just these beautiful, wonderful, almost little video vignettes so that, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to re-experience, you know, in my sleep. Um, and, and it sounds a little weird and strange, but you know, those are the kinds of things that, that God starts to do. He starts to heal you and he starts to show you the joy and the sweetness of that relationship. And, and you know, just all the things, you start to reflect on all the things that that
0: person meant to you, mm-hmm. not just the loss. So, I uh, so to go back, I mean, completely agree with that. Uh, number one, I think the problem that I already stated, which is people are just too dismissive of grief, whether, kind of like what Mike said, people that are listening to you, they're dismissive, and then I think, personally, you can be dismissive. You know, the the second thing is, uh, people don't wanna talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that's just, you know, everybody grieves differently, so it is subjective, but it wasn't hard to ask Mike and Cody to talk about their grief. Like, you know, we were at each other's house, I said, hey, I wanna do the first episode with you two, and both of you were like, "Yeah, I want to talk about it." Like, and I'll, I'll never forget. There, um, there's some close friends that go to Browncroft. They lost a child, and um, you know, I I asked her. It was about a month after it. I said, "Do you want to talk about your child?" And she says, "Yes, please ask me about it." Mm-hmm. And you know, we're <laughs> as humans, we complicate it. And I think what people get wrong about grief is. Number one, people don't want to talk about it. I think from what even you're saying, three months world went on. No one asked me about my brother. You know, you were having lunch with your sisters, which was great. Um, And even you, you're talking about Cody. You're talking about people coming around you. But I mean, we don't ask. No. You know, like when someone goes through a job loss, you know, what's that like? You know, I'm thinking about Dan, our producer here. He he doesn't even have a microphone, so I can just say whatever I want. Dan had a great transition, you know. He he moved from a great church down in Corning to here, you know. And there's things and people that he loved about it, and took a new opportunity. You know, it's not like people are always asking Dan, Dan, how you doing with this transition. I'm now he loves Browncroft because you know I'm here. I don't know. Well, I'll <laughs> let him shake his head, but you know, we don't ask like what, even to the what do you want to be asked about that. Mm-hmm. And the third thing I'd say, you know, dismissive, you know, people don't wanna talk about it, but um, just asking people what you can do, you know? And sometimes people don't have an answer. So, y- you know, you come in and you go, you know what, do you need a meal? You know, I-, I think about this, Kate Bowler, who wrote the book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies, that I believe. Great book, highly recommend it. She's been through cancer. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll have her on the podcast, Kate, if you're listening. But she talked about one of the best things that someone did for her during her cancer. There's a family that just sent her a $100 Amazon gift card.
1: That doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, offensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my address, by the way, is. <laughs> no. But, you know, yeah.
0: so I, I think there's ways to love and ca- you just have to be intentional. And that's the thing, Peter, is that I think people, I'll I'll use, and I don't think
1: John would mind, I'll use this example, because John is a dear friend of, well, all all of ours, right? But um, yeah, he's a dear friend of mine, and um, I know he's grieving right now, and there's kind of an unspoken rule that you give it time, don't, I don't want to bombard him with texts, partly because I know he hates texting as much as I do, um, and probably as much as Mike Keyes does, just the act of texting is tedious for him, Um, but I I want to show that I care, but I also want to give space. And so it maybe that's a whole different episode: is how how should we care for grieving people in our life? Um, but there's also some that that's kind of a tricky thing to navigate because uh, somebody may be alone and dying for to talk about you know the kid that they lost, but
0: you know it's socially it could it could come off as rude to even bring it up. But it, it I don't know I, feel- I I think people and Mike I'd be curious I think people honor effort. And even, you know, uh, there was a pastor, or it might have even been a counselor that even taught me, you know, you call and you always have an out, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to call you once a month. I'm going to leave you a message or I'm going to send you a text. You don't have to respond. You can call me. You can tell me when to stop doing it. Just, just like the Mm -hmm. text messages, press stop, you know? Right, right. Reply stop. Uh, You know, I'm going to email you. Yeah. And when you tell me to stop, I will, you know, and that's kind of the clarity that I don't, I don't know, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I I think that's a great point. I I think, you know, again,
2: having experienced this from the other side, you know, one of the things that I appreciated is is people that, and I I was, again, just dumb luck, you know, I had a client at the time who was a therapist, and um, I also had a... um, person um, who worked for me my office manager was a, a grief counselor interestingly <laughs> enough right so um, I was very lucky in that and, and that I remember my client um, came to me I, I I actually received a promotion shortly after my brother died and she came up to me um, we had a reception and it was probably three months after my brother died and she comes up to me and she goes do you think it's too soon and I said I go what do you mean she goes well you know that's a, that's a substantial loss that you've experienced. I go, she goes, you know, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. She goes, no, really, how are you doing? <laughs> and I said, um, honestly, not very well. She goes, okay. And and so, you know, she goes, you know, you should come over for lunch. We'll just, just hang out for an hour sometime. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. And we did. And and so I think one of the things that, that, that I like to do is, is often after someone – experiences of substantial officers you know immediately let them know I'm there for you I care mm-hmm. you know quick note nice card word of encouragement um, you know a meal but I think three months from now when all the dust settles and everybody's disappeared and everybody's gone back to life is to come back around mm-hmm. and say hey, how you doing let's get to let's get together I'd love to have lunch with you I want to just want to check in with you see how you're doing and and then once a month. Hey, let's do this again next month. I want to check in with you again. Check in with you again. Check in with you again, and and you you'll know after a while based on the, how the conversation goes. You know, and and I remember again talk about John Amayo. Um, you know, John did that. You know, he called me. Hey, sorry about your brother. You know, two months later, calls me up. Hey, let's go grab lunch. We went lunch. I, I you know, and we had a conversation. And I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to John, and John's one of my closest friends. And, and I'm crying right? over yeah. lunch in Applebee's right and I'm thinking, yeah. what is going on here and I, I didn't expect it but you know you have a you have the you know and this gets to the issue of you know what's your relationship to right you' mm-hmm. you're not going to do that with somebody who you who just know casually but you know somebody you know intimately that you go spend time with and you can ask those kinds of intimate questions he was asking me Um I was able to share with him, and then the emotions pour over. They just come out, right? Because it's somebody that you care about, that you know loves you, and that you can be your honest self. And you know, so here I am in Applebee's with John Amayo. You know, and he's just, you know, he just puts his hand in my hand, and we just, you know, nothing, didn't say anything, just sat there. We just sat there for a couple minutes, and um, but I think that's that's what you know, true concern and consideration looks like. It's it's this, you know, again, and it's based on the depth of your relationship. You know. I, yeah.
1: And and John is great at that, and, and as are both of you, I know. But John called me over the summer once and was like, "How you doing, man? What's up? How, you know, how's has uh, been a couple of weeks? How you doing?" And he's like, "You can, we can talk about uh, what's going on, or we can talk about how beautiful Josh Allen is." You know, just, <laughs> and he, it, you know, he's just such a socially gifted guy that he very naturally gave me two easy options. I didn't have to be awkward about whatever. So, I think we probably talked about both. But um, yeah, that is. That is a a wise word there.
0: Well, you know, let, let's, um, this has been a great intro episode. So I hope that all of you tune in, um, you know, make sure that you rate this podcast and share it with your friends because I'm sure, you know, you're going to go through grief. There's people that are going through grief this last year. So, you know, let's kind of close with two questions. Uh, let's go back to the original question. Why is grief good? yeah um well
2: it's 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 like you know most things in life when we're when we go through the fire or through the difficulty you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna learn some things about yourself you're gonna learn some things about the world um and you're gonna create a whole new perspective right and and for me you know the the greatest learning i, I as i like to say my moment moving to adulthood was learning what true compassion is and true compassion is really understanding that most of the world at any given time is probably going through some sort of loss right not not a few people not 3% but a very large percentage of our population is dealing with some sense of difficulty whether it's it's a grieving loss or it's you know a, a terrible job situation you you just don't know and, you know, my levels of compassion went from what I would call almost non-existent to adult-like, right? I'll just use that word, um, adult-like. And, and, you know, and so now when I get in front of somebody who's angry or, or nasty or behaves in a way that just seems inconsistent with the situation, my first question isn't what's wrong with this person. Is My first question is, I wonder what's going on beneath the surface. I wonder what Difficulty this person is faced with that they're they're behaving in this way. This isn't about me; it's about them. It's, it's I don't know what they're experiencing. So I think that you know that's that's the big lesson for me. You know, when it comes to whether it's grief, that just compassion is so necessary in this world, and and there's never too much of it. Mm. I think
1: about uh, I don't know who said this or how long it's been floating around, but I found it to be so true this past year is that. You know, God does not promise that you will not suffer, but that when you do suffer, when you suffer and it'll come, you will be made more like Christ. And, you know, the the passage from Isaiah, you know, when you walk through the waters, you know, the, the river, the waters will not sweep over you. When you walk through the flames, you'll not be set ablaze. Those images that that promise that this suffering isn't wasted even if you can't understand what's the purpose of this? Why are you, why are you allowing this to happen, God? And that gets into a whole theological uh, box of can of worms that we don't need to open right now. Um, as Peter glares at me, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> there's there, a big smile but, on my but, yeah, face as this camera that's right. will show. <laughs> that's right. But the, the promise that, Hey, this isn't wasted and that it's, it's producing for you a, a glory that you will get and the path of obedience, um, Riches at the end that uh, it'll it'll be worth it. Um, it, The suffering you know what we get will outweigh the suffering, and knowing that there's a purpose even when you don't understand it, I think is uh, a good
0: promise. Um, I I was thinking about when I was in high school and the first time I saw high definition TV, and you know it was in Sam's Club, and they had a Sony PlayStation, I don't even know which one it was at the time. And I just remember it clear as day. You know, I I could play the NCAA football with number ten from Texas, because they weren't allowed to put the names <laughs> on the bag. Right. But Vince Young. And like when I first saw that, and every time I see a video game now, I'm just like, that looks so real. But I go back to that moment and I'm like, that just looked so like I felt like I was actually playing as you know, Vince Young, I think that grief in its best form turns turns your life from standard definition to high definition. You begin to see you begin to see the colors and the and, and there's multiple ways. I think both of you have kind of brought up, you know, you treat other people differently. You're kind of a but I, I also think you become more thankful. Um, you know, Mike, you were, you were sharing about, you know, you had four years with your brother and I know that we'd all love to say that we would spend more time with our loved ones and stuff like that, but there's something about knowing that someone's going to die, that those conversations come quicker. Um, you know, I think about, you know, just even the grieving of 2020, um, I went through some stuff. I wouldn't say it, you know, look at me breaking my own rules. I mean, it was hard. It wasn't as hard as what... It wasn't
1: nearly as hard as what I've experienced, Peter. There you go, there you go. Touche, touche.
0: But, you know, I I think about my worst moments usually were followed up with an hour with Haley, you know, driving in the car, Mm -hmm. and how much more meaningful that became. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think about this morning you know, just some anxieties and stuff. And here's my daughter, you know, we have, you know, I'm not gonna say the name, but the Amazon Echo, you know, yeah. it, they're doing a song and she's like dance with, me. and I, I think that that grieving has a way of, of maybe making things in high definition in a way that you wouldn't have. You just see things you don't see, not saying you wanna go through that, not saying you'd ask to go through that, but I don't know. Even listening to you two, it just seems like that's there. So I think that's yeah.
1: part of making you more like Christ. You know, Christ saw He was awake. He noticed things, and He was grateful and courageous and compassionate. And you become more like those things when you're following Christ in, through the the trial.
0: Speaking of speaking of Jesus, look at you! <laughs> oh, it's well, like it's like your it's like your co-host. Well, that is a Starbucks. This bottle, is a cold, cold brew. brew.
1: <laughs> I am not swigging. Uh, a real brew
0: well you know it's unfortunate because i mean we we could get some money from yeah that. well howard we, if you're watching that's right why god why podcast we'll blur this out hopefully would, this is blurred out right well, probably now probably not but yeah. anyways i won't do that to dan <laughs> you know what, what does jesus have to say about grief being good um cody i'm gonna let you start yeah, you sure. gotta end uh, and uh mike whatever we get wrong heresy or truth <laughs> you can clean us up Okay, so I'll just say, I'll share
1: a story about um, just I think what was the, the height of the, the, the suffering of the, of the past year, which I've talked a lot about already. But there's so many months where I wasn't sure if, if the marriage would survive or not. And I was doing everything in my power and I was confused. Why am I at a standstill here? Why am I hitting a roadblock? Why is there no path to healing, opening up? I'm doing everything I can. And I just remember um, laying in bed alone, and I was uh, so confused and so hurt. And I just God brought you know the story of Lazarus to my mind. And uh, I, I've heard you know Pastor you know Doctor Tim Keller uh, preach a few good sermons on this story. And one one thing that sticks out to me is that we remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus shows up. Um, this this man has died, and he speaks, and he comes back to life, and there's this celebration, and they're worshiping God, and it's this beautiful miracle. But the, and I could be wrong, I think it's the shortest passage in the Bible, right, Jesus wept, and he wept before he uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And even though Jesus knew what he was about to do, he knew he was about to um, break death, and Lazarus was going to be back in moments, he paused, and he wept. And for me, that's where I was. I was. I didn't see any. I didn't see any uh, healing in sight. And I'm like, this looks hopeless. And it wasn't. But in the moment, it felt that. And Jesus just wept with me that night. And I. It hurt, and I was alone. But it's. It's. I don't know. Want to. I don't want to call it pleasure. But there was this intense comfort that I experienced because I knew I was not alone that Jesus was with me and that he's experienced suffering that I can't even imagine so surely he can relate to what I'm going through and he's present and he's present through his people physically right but the church you know my brothers in Christ came around me and they were there and they wept with me and they knew how to walk with me through this and so um, I woke up the next day and my circumstances had not changed um, but I knew that I was not alone, and he constantly reminds me of that when I forget. So, um, yeah.
0: You know, similarly, you know, throughout the Bible, you know, we're, we're recording this in the midst of Christmas, um, you know, and I just I'm struck by the fact that, you know, this commercial somewhat hopeful positive holiday, and you're seeing tweets and things of people saying, yeah, there's 3,000 deaths from the coronavirus. I mean, that's that's a heavy number. And I think about the, you know, the passage when it comes to tears, you know, God will wipe away tears from their eyes, and there's there's a number of different references you can look it up or just even hints to that. I think we 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 so jump to God wiping that we forget he doesn't say stop crying. You know, so, you know, I experience this as a parent. You know, there's times when my two and a half year old cries and it's kind of like, you know, mom and dad, I'm I'm really hoping that you have this soft spot in your heart. I'm really manipulating you. And then there's other times that she cries and it's actual pain. You know, she might be tired. There's something else kind of going on. And as I think about the grieving, why is grief good? I think what the gospel says is, God wipes your tears but he doesn't tell you to stop crying and and I think that that's a huge difference because I think what we tend to do is it's stop crying stop grieving and and God's saying no you're gonna grieve you know and we all know you were talking about Romans 8 all things work together for good for those who love God you know whether you're a Christian or not I, I think you all I've heard someone say oh it's just gonna get better Maybe it will, maybe it won't. It gets different, but I think the the beauty and the joy of the gospel is there's a Savior who has grieved, who has cried, who's experienced that, that he doesn't dismiss your tears and your cry. And when, when he's saying he's going to wipe your tears away, that's not because he doesn't deny the reality, but he's there with you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, you know, my favorite verse relationship to this topic is you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, I, I know the plans I've made for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you hope and a future. And that to me, you know, resonates in this idea that you know I can trust God. And, and and in these moments where God brings me to my knees, literally, because I'm I, I'm no longer self-sufficient, right? I'm, I I can't handle it, right? It's too much for me, and I think grief does that better than anything, right? It's the it's that time when we finally realize, I can't do this alone. It's too much to bear, and if I try to do it alone, it this could crush me, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's in those moments when I've gotten to that point, and I'm like. I've learned to be thankful for it. It's it's like okay, God, I can't handle this. It's bigger than me. I'm I'm not going to figure it out, and I'm I'm done trying. You do it. You take care of it. I can trust you. And you know, you've taken me around the corner, as I call it, right? Because it feels like a corner, and I just don't know what's on the other side. I wish you would show me what's around the corner, but I I have to wait, and I have to go through this time period of grief, and to get around the corner. But when I get around the corner, God does have something better for me, right? And and the something better may not be better, right? It's not a change in circumstance. It's often, often a change in perspective, right? It's a change in myself, right? The, the circumstances might not have changed much. Um, and I might have a different set of problems, but my perspective on those problems has changed. And my peace and my joy is not as easily stolen by by the world anymore because I know, you know, whatever I'm being pulled through there isn't around the corner and and, and god is going to teach and, and and grow me and when i get around that corner my perspective will be better and it will be more christ-like and and i will be better prepared for the next series of whatever
0: wow what a what a first episode i'm i'm so glad to call all three of you friends and um yeah go to why, why make sure you follow us we just got on LinkedIn. So I just uh, make sure you like us there. But we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, use the hashtag WGW podcast. Like I said, rate this share it with a friend. Um, You know, we really, you know, we know that a lot of you are going through a hard time. And no matter where you are, we hope that um, just this question meets you where you're at. And um, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you so very much.